Hi, I'm Corey. I'm Bill. And together, we host the Unfocus Podcast. I was really hoping you were going to have something catchy again this week. Well, I was worried about talking because apparently I was reprimanded a while ago <laughs> for speaking over the intro. And heaven forbid I do that again. It's true. I don't, I don't, I don't need that stress in my editing life. I, I don't need that stress <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's early. Perfect. Thanks. Today, we're joined by filmmaker and owner of Elosito Films, Barrett Dennison. Barrett, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for making time. I know you're in the middle of a move right now. I am. I feel I like am. you just like you stopped on your way to your new place here in Nashville. I absolutely. I've got a bed in the back of my truck right now. <laughs> moving, moving down. So. But it's not far. I'm, I'm living in Bowling Green right now, and we'll be Nashville official starting August 1st. So nice. excited. Welcome to town. Good to, Welcome. Good, good to be here. I hear good things. Yeah. It's all lies. It's all it's, <laughs> Just don't I, go downtown. I, that FaceTime call, I lied to you. Right. Okay, good. Good to know now. <laughs> that was like, me selfishly just trying to... <laughs> trying to get me here? Trying to get no. you out, I'm of, here. out of LA. I'm here. I'm here. You, you were <laughs> successful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I almost forgot before we get started. I, I brought you a gift. Oh, thank you. An, S, an SDI candle? Mm-hmm. 12G shielded. 12G shielded. We're, we're Komodo brothers. Very nice. Yeah. Komodo brothers. I hope that one's long enough. Yeah, it should be. It looks That's good. What, <laughs> that's what you tell the ladies, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Le- leave it to people who work in production to be like, I have you a gift. Here's an SDI Here's cable. <laughs> and everybody's like, what? Cable. I want an SDI cable. It's actually a really nice gift. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. That's going to come in handy. Nice. Appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I know... Uh, Originally, I invited you here to talk specifically gaffing because uh, we've, we've had, up to this point, we've had uh, directors, producers, like we DPs, have an editor uh, coming up, DPs, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we haven't gotten really deep yet into like grip and gaff and sound and some of the other departments, and we'll get into that. But before we do, I would love to talk about your uh, film school experience. Okay, sure. Um, so... In high school, I got the opportunity to attend um, Kentucky Governor Scholar. It's like a scholarship program for upcoming seniors. Um, And, you know, you get to pick a major. Some people pick, you know, healthcare, marketing. I chose film. Nice. Um, So we had a public access TV um, network in Glasgow that we were, the high school basically was responsible for. Really? Doing advertisements and stuff for, you know, just keeping people aware of like what's going on, when's homecoming, when's the football game, like that stuff. And so we, it was really news packages we were supposed to make. Well, I went to this, you know, basically summer program where I was studying film and we were making short films. And um, we were taught by a Hollywood AD, uh, Craig Miller, a uh, super great guy. He'd worked on Spielberg films. He'd done some really cool stuff. And awesome. so uh, I came back after that and took the class again with the public access. Uh, it's called Advantage and started making short films. Well, those projects tend to stretch. I miss deadlines. I actually made a D, <laughs> my first D in the class. Oh no! But at that time, I you know I'd gotten into college, I you know I'd gotten my scholarship, so that stuff was all figured out. So it really didn't like there was no penalty for making a D. All right. Yeah. Um, my only D was ever in in video production, <laughs> by the way. That's fine. Um, but I made these short films with my friends, and we made like a Fast and the Furious parody, and you know we were just doing. It was just like it was super entertaining. They were all like you know I have a great group of friends. I still hang out with those guys today. And just, like, really, like, you know, who can make each other laugh the hardest or, like, yeah. it's, it's all just encouragement uh, in the filmmaking. So we started making stuff. 
And then I, you know, I went to WKU, which is right down the road in Bowling Green. Um, and they have a tremendous broadcasting program. Um, I've got two or three buddies that work at news networks around the nation. Um, you know, NBC, ABC, Seattle, Washington, Boston, you know, my friends all over and all out of that program, all out of that yeah. program. And I started doing stuff. Um, you know, I, would, I went, you know, thinking maybe I want to go work for ESPN or, you know, I love sports, but, uh, I got into the, the live production. I was like, this is just not as much fun as, you know, writing something and making it. And so, right. mm-hmm. um, early on, I knew that probably wasn't for me. So I focused on the, they have a production side of the broadcast program and now they've developed a film program out of that, um, out of that program, but there was a film minor while I was there. And so I was doing, I was a film minor, political science, um, minor broadcast major, but the broadcast really just quickly became film. I was right. shooting stuff and, uh, you know, it's actually the same guys, you know, you know, Booba and Swanson and yep. got Jacob Kessinger and, uh, Daniel Dunstan, all these guys from college. I just, we just started making short films together. We would enter competitions, you know, we just, that's what we did. We made we made we made movies, and so uh, you know you get hooked on that yeah. feeling. I had an internship in Louisville at a company called Video Bread. They do a lot of bourbon, do a lot of horse racing, but that sounds was, very very Kentucky centric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but out this of Louisville, basketball. Um, right in basketball. Too. <laughs> um, out of Louisville, Kentucky, so I was there for a summer. Um, it was before my before my junior year, and I was like, you know, I could do the political science thing and probably go work on campaigns. And that's what I was thinking about doing. I was like, let me apply to film school and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, I probably applied way too late to go to some of the major, uh, you know, the USC's, UCLA's. Yep. Um, I actually had an interview um, with NYU was doing a program in Singapore. What? So I applied to that and had an interview for that and was like, probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't go that far away. <laughs> and then, Ended up, uh, I had a teacher, Ron DeMars, who went to Miami um, for his uh, postgrad. And he was like, you know, you think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll, you know, you'll have a strong basis coming from here. I'm teaching you very similar things that you're doing there. But yeah, I needed to go out into the world. And, and Singapore was too far? Singapore was a little too far. Miami Man. is a lot closer. Miami yeah. is a lot yeah. closer. So I ended up going to the University of Miami for my graduate studies. And, I, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people always have questions like, should I go to grad school? Should I not go to grad school? For me, I felt like it was the right choice. Um, you know, I had the opportunity, you know, I was on scholarship, um, for my undergrad. So I had the ability to, you know, to go and, yeah. and do a, a postgrad, which is, you know, it's a financial decision and look that, you know, very supportive parents, but, uh, it was great for me cause I, I was, you know, definitely a fish out of water, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't in my <laughs> yeah. normal, you know, it's, it's where I grew up. I, I consider Miami where I grew up as a human being. Right. Um, and also as a filmmaker, I was in classes with people who's, you know, didn't speak English as a first language, but, you know, we're extremely passionate about cinema. Um, my buddy Luis, Colombian, uh, he came into the program. I think he was 38 when he started, and so I'm coming really? in at like 23. So that was my that was my best friend while I was in school. So I getting to see his experience. And, like, he had had a life outside of film, and he's like, bro, trust me, <laughs> the real world is not. You know, and that was a lot of A lot of my friends were older, and they were like, Hey man, like you really got to focus, like treat this like a job. And so I really treat grad school like a job and just focused yeah. every day. And, mm-hmm. um, it worked out for me. So, you know, I think it's uh, every, everything I've worked on since has some tie to my, either Miami or WKU. And so yeah. for people like, should I go to school? Should I not go to school? I think it's an individual decision. You can always go out and start working, but it gave me structure and it gave me, you know, it made it very serious for me once I made that decision. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the the approach to treat it like a job versus like right. it, probably a lot of kids would is like a college is just an extension of high school. Like I think that's a really good approach too. Well, and and then I I also went to film school, and a lot of the the you know you get the students that are like. I want to make cinema that speaks to me and it's like art house fluff. But the, you know, the instructors are like, look, this is a job. This is a career path that you're choosing to do. Um, you, you can't make a living doing fluffy art house films. You got to think practically like, <laughs> right. you know, how do you go, how are you going to get employed when you get out of here? And so, yeah, I, I agree. Like the, the takeaway of just like working, it's, it's a job. It's, it's fun that we get to do it. Um, but it is a job and right. and you have to put in the work for it. Yeah. And I, I was, you know, I was taking projects outside of school. I was there, you know, we'd go work on commercials or I'd Telemundo yeah. Univision and, you know, I'd be one of the only people who didn't speak Spanish while I was on <laughs> set. And so like, just that like life experience of like not yeah. being, you know, not being the, you know, being the minority, it was, like, it was a good experience to like, right. Not, not be the person driving the decision and, 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 you know, not being in the leadership role and someone, you know, saying hey man we would love you to come work for us here's what you got to do and you just yeah. put your head down and go do it and you know i think that's you know paved the way for a lot of uh, a lot of my career yeah that's awesome I, I, the other thing i think that's interesting is it, it sounds like your experience sounds a little different than what i think most would define probably broader uh, film workers or cinema today is very much white male driven largely like there's still a lot of diversity that exists and continues to grow but like it sounds like in your experience, you were the opposite to your point, like spending much of that early time in Miami, you being the kind of the diversity versus the norm there. Right. Uh, it was either tell the same old recycled stories that we've been seeing forever, or yeah. I could go help people like my friend April, like my friend Louise, like my friend Ronnie, who all come from very different backgrounds than I did and help them tell their stories. Yeah. And to me, that was the most fun because I got to bring, you know, I had a lot of technical experience coming out of WKU that these guys didn't have, but the way that they saw the world and were able to tell stories, like I got to experience that. And like, for me, that was the coolest part because they needed me, but at the same time, I also needed them. You know, I needed them to broaden my experience, to open my mind up to certain things that I'd never experienced. And, um, it was just, you know, I just found really cool people to work with and really good partnerships. And, you know, they're still making stuff today and I still keep in touch with those guys. So, yeah, that's awesome. No, so from Miami, uh, did you move from grad school in Miami directly to LA? Or? No, so this is uh, there's a so this this is the interesting part of my journey is I got out of school and you know you know coming out of film school you're gung ho you're ready to see the world yeah you think you know everything you think you know how the the process yeah. works I knew it was going to be hard yeah yeah but I didn't know. I didn't know that it doesn't, you know, it's never a straight line, right? You know, filmmaking no. is a big circle, it <laughs> seems. You know, yeah. It's always yeah. a big circle. And so I had a friend, like I said, I have a friend, uh, Rico, who's a, a news producer, and he was in Atlanta at the time. And I was like, I'm going to move to Atlanta. They're crushing it right now. I'll just go there and I'll start producing, right? Because that's how the world works, right? <laughs> and yeah. so at the time, you know, while I was in Miami, I was shooting uh, everyone's project. So I got two cinematography awards while I was there. Um, you know, I was directing some stuff, producing some stuff, but then I would also go do G and E on other people's projects. You know, yeah. I just always had an affinity for the technology. I love lighting. Um, I think if you, you know, we'll get into that more, I'm sure. But if you understand lighting, it really 
adds to all the other skill sets, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, normally it's your biggest budgeted expense, so it helps you produce. Yep. Cinematography explains itself. But um, so I went to Atlanta thinking, you know, I went to all these meet and greets. I was like, hey, I just got out of film school and crickets. I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing. I sat on my buddy's couch for basically yeah. two months. And I have a friend uh, who went to Miami, um, Brittany, who was on a reality show. She was on, we super nanny. She's like, hey, oh, okay. you know, I know you're not busy. You know, <laughs> she knew I wasn't busy because I was like, hey, what are you working on? And uh, she was like, I'm working on Super Nanny. Would you want to come PA? I was like, man, I don't really want to go PA. But <laughs> yeah. And to anyone who's like, I don't want to go PA, that's the wrong attitude. That's yeah. the best place to learn. Even yeah. if you're coming out of film school, even if you've been in the business, like if someone gives you an opportunity to walk on set and you're not working, it's a great place to meet people. Oh, yeah. And you're always going to learn something new. I think just being open to the opportunity. And yeah, like eventually you'll move up if you're good. Like it just happens. Right. But like you've got to get in, you got to get your foot in the door. It's to, like, you're, you're not too good to PA when yeah. you get out of film school. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you're not. Just, I, I don't think some, some directors I think should PA. Some yeah, directors yeah. I've worked for, <laughs> you know, some cinematographers I've worked for should PA. But you got to learn from the ground up a lot of times. I think for yeah. me, it humbled me. It gave me a lot of yeah. humility and it made me appreciate the work a lot more because I, I saw what you actually have to do to get, you know, what, what goes in at the bottom floor to make the stuff happen. So I, I PA'd on Super Nanny. Most of the crew was from Los Angeles. And so, you know, a couple of them, you know, they were super cool to me. I helped them do lighting. You know, they were like, hey, we need help lighting. So I was, yeah. you know, taping up LED string lights and, you know, running the light. One of the cinematographer got sick and had to get sent home. So they bumped everybody up. And now I'm doing the lighting. So I'm a PA lighting. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get a pay bump. Sorry, guys. That's right. just how the light world works. <laughs> but I was media managing, lighting, and pa And so then finally, you know, a couple of the guys were like, man, you really should think about moving to Los Angeles. I was like, well, when Los Angeles calls, I'll come. You know, when they yeah. – and they're like, bro, that's not how it works. Like, like <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles is not waiting for you. It doesn't need you. Right. Yeah. I was like, but if you come, you'll, you'll work. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, man, that sure does beat sitting on my couch in Atlanta. Which, you know, and I, yeah. I maybe if I'd stuck it out and, you know, took a little different approach, it would have worked out. But it, I knew more people in Los Angeles at that time, and that gave me the confidence. So I came out January of 2016 and called the guys from the Super Nanny show. They were – one of them was coordinating on Food Network stuff. Yeah. Started work the next day. So, once again, pa yeah. you know. But from that PA class, you know, I, I met one of my best friends, Kyle – while I was there, I just worked with a, um, a DP named Eric, who I met on that show, a great friend named Cody, um, who is a stage manager for um, um, eSports. So I, I met all these really cool people who are doing a lot of different stuff, and that's just like that your, your PA group is normally your network yeah. right when you first move um, to L.A. So I would, if anybody's thinking about doing it, just go, get on a show, and then like the people you're around, like that is who's your next job. Like that is your meal ticket. Like you've yeah. got to support those people. Like, they'll be with you. You know, I'm still still cool with those guys. I just did a, a – the DP Eric, he just called me to gaff um, the last film I worked on. So, yeah. hadn't spoken to him in five years. And just – Still work coming in. Still work coming in. I mean, just a, a great dude and fun to work with. It was fun to see his journey because we were both, you know, kind of miserable PAs, but a little yeah. overqualified <laughs> in, yeah. our, in our minds, probably not in yeah. our Hung, boss's hungry minds. Hungry for something. Hungry for yeah. something else. And it's just, it's been cool to see, like, yeah. it takes a little longer than you think it's going to take, oh, but yeah. uh, I think it, it's a it's a good practice of humility. Yeah, that's but that's, awesome. that's like, 
It, that also speaks to the the cliche, you know, it's about who you know. Right. And it really is. It really is. It's uh, networking is everything in film. And, you know, you won't get on a, a set if if you're not speaking to people and meeting people. And, you know, you do meet those people on set where you're like, I like this guy, you know, the, the, and then they invite you on another right. shoot. And the you vibe's know, good. The vibe's good with the yeah, people. Yeah, the vibe's and, good, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, when you went out there and started PAing, you... You mentioned a PA class. Oh no, no sorry. Uh, uh, just like the group you got yeah, Okay, with, not, I like a Dungeons and Dragons class of no, PAs. They, they do have like they <laughs> yeah. do have trainings for PAs. Like I think yeah, that's probably, that's why I was gonna. Uh, I think there's one up. in Nashville. I saw the Nashville on Film Facebook. Guild. Yeah. Uh, hosted one I mean, like a month ago. Oh, really? yeah. yeah, there is. I mean, there is a learning curve to it, and like you don't want to be that over eager person on a set that doesn't know what they're doing. So yeah, I think anything that you can do to like separate yourself and your foot in the door and then all i think personality is a huge thing i'm yeah you know i'm very outgoing always have been really right (laughs) (laughs) and you know i think sometimes that can make some people who don't fit that that makes them nervous yeah a little uncomfortable yeah so you've got to know you know you gotta know who you're you're playing to yeah yeah the we had a guest on recently moise you know we spent a lot of the episode talking about gear and tech and just stuff a lot of yeah, but one of the other things uh, he mentioned, just you know, one of his focuses is continually investing in himself from a skill standpoint. Yeah. So whether they're like those hosted type classes, or like he he's I think he's probably gone through every filmmaking related master class at this point. Yeah. Um, so I think like don't underestimate that at all. Like right, any sure. opportunity you get. Yeah. Yeah, I just call it betting on yourself. Like if I invest time on myself, I'm basically exchanging, you know, time and resources into me, thus making myself better. And, like, if I'm betting on myself, like, I feel like that's a can't lose, right? Because yeah. I'm going to yeah. either level up or change my thinking or, you know, hopefully meet somebody or, you know. I think you all, if, as, as long as you're betting on yourself, I think you're in a good spot. Yeah. Just that continual evolution of right. yourself, for sure. And there's always room to grow and learn. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how many years of experience you have. There's always an opportunity to learn for something sure. else. Because, like, when we had... One of our other guests, uh, uh, Mika, Matina's Oh, like, yeah. Like, this, this guy's like 10 years younger than me, and I was learning stuff from him on that show. <laughs> the, just whole, like, the whole episode, he's yeah, I'm Bill's like, taking notes. Yeah, wow. You know, it, when I was your age, I was n- not thinking ahead like you are. <laughs> so, you know, you can always learn. There's always an opportunity. Yeah, for it's sure. Helpful. So you were you were in LA for five years, six years? I'm um, about six years. Well, with COVID, it, it got a little got, got a little weird. Got a little tricky yeah. yeah. So how long were you in LA before you started at, like gaffing full time? So, uh, you know, I did a lot of random jobs in LA. Um, you know, I was PA and and that kind of gave me the opportunity to look for outside stuff. And so, um, while I was in Miami, there were some AFI students that came and shot one of the projects. AFI, of course, known for their cinematography. Yep. Um, incredible school. So I met one of my one of my best friends in LA, Ezequiel Casares, um, Argentinian uh, DP. Um, super sweet guy. I actually got to go to his uh, citizen, uh, where he became a citizen. Yeah. He asked me to go with him. So that was, That's once awesome. again, an opportunity awesome. I never would have had. Yeah. Um, but he came and shot a project for my friend Ronnie, Ronnie Kalula, director. And, you know, I was like, whatever you need, I'm, I'm happy. So I actually went back to Miami early, um, coming out of a, a December break. We shot, a, we shot a movie, and so I was basically just the low man on the G&E team. They just needed help. I knew enough to – but their expertise was so much far advanced than mine. And I'm, I'm a graduate student, but 
they just you know the detail of the AFI program is totally different than the Miami program. Miami is a little more broad. Mm-hmm. AFI very focused on your individual skills. So got to work with those guys, and you know I moved out and called him when I moved out. Said, hey, I just moved to town. Love to grab coffee. He goes, where are you living? I told him. He's like, you live a block away from me. And so he has two young kids. You know, if he needed help with his kids, I'd help him out, watch his kids. Yeah. You know, they were super cool. Um, but uh, he had projects, and so I would jump on as, you know, the genie swing. You know, you can pay it a little bit more than a PA, but not much more. But, right. you know, then the skill set starts to come, and you're seeing yeah. the real way of doing stuff and, you know, how you have to act as a, as a you know, Los Angeles craftsman. I mean, it's a totally different, totally different ballgame when you're working. I mean, people at that level – you know, even the non-union are really, really good and work really, really hard, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a whole different ballgame than than what I what I learned in school. All right. So it's it's like an entirely new film school. Almost. Exactly. It's, it's you know the stuff you learn just being on set much different than yeah. being in the classroom or in and like I think a the workshop. classroom like that's what I don't want I don't want, like the classroom stuff really does matter. It does. Yeah. But yeah. if you don't. If you don't have a mix of the two, right? I think you leave yourself short in one or the other, right? If you don't right. understand the theory, if you don't understand the, the the practice of how to do it, yeah, yeah, then you leave yourself short. Um, and so I'm glad I have a, a balance, yeah. But absolutely. I was definitely more theory before I became more practice, <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. that I'm I'm probably more practice than theory now, just because I've done <laughs> right, right, right. I've been working so much that it's like you don't, yeah. you're just like it becomes second nature. You're not even thinking about why we do some of the stuff. It's just like it is this way, exactly, right. Yeah. And I think being open to to different ways is good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that gave me the confidence working with those guys. Um, you know, I was still shooting. I worked on a project, Alabama Land, a documentary, and so at that time that we were working on the documentary they were starting a film you know super low budget film in Miami with one of my professors was producing um, a lot of my former classmates were working on it and so they were like hey you know we know you're going for Alabama land do you want to come to Miami and work on the film I was like well, what do you need they're like we need someone who knows lights I was like okay I'll, I'll come gaff and so I was paying $100 a day right to, to gaff a, a film um, but that was my first Gaffer credit. I think uh, looking back, yeah, the the money was low, but I learned a ton from it. Uh, really good DP, really quick schedule, and so you just had to be on your stuff. And yeah, so, yeah. once I had a gaffer credit, right, once I I was able to come back to LA and still paing, still working on different stuff, and hey, I just gaffed this movie and talking to some of the PAs. Now that that PA is going to AC a movie, they just lost their gaffer. So now it's three hundred fifty dollars a day. Do you want to come gaff? Right? Yes, it's, please. It's, Absolutely. It's a month long <laughs> show. It's two miles from where I'm living in LA. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's a done. You know, that's easy. Right. So I walk on set, and once again, it's just you keep learning. I had a really good key grip on that show, who's you know tough on me, which I needed. Um, and I think that relationship is really important—the gaffer key grip relationship. Um, I've had great key grips i've had to go grip for them you know when i've you know, been slow on the gaffer side and so yeah. like just learning that side it's two totally different sides of the genie spectrum yeah um but you know boost your skill set yeah but that so that second gaff job that like really that month long that came from a prior pa connection that right. pa went to go ac and just right. that network then and we just we just talked about he um i had just seen him i was watching shane hurlbert's um his uh, master classes or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw Kevin in the background. I was like, Oh my gosh. And so I just hit him. I was like, Kevin, dude, I just saw you 
on Shane, like how I was wor- uh, working with him. He goes, oh, it's great. You know, I'm learning a lot about it. I was like, that's awesome, man. I just gaffed a movie, blah, blah, blah. And so you just, it's like, hey, man, I'm doing that too, and I think it's awesome you're doing that. And just keep you're it alive. outside the PA. Because, like, you always want to level up. You want your guys to level up. And sometimes, yeah. you know, you can get stuck in that same rut where you're doing the same thing over and over and over. And so it's not, it was like, oh, man, like you see, you see guys at your level going out of it, and you're like, oh, man, I can do it. You know, it's, it's I can I can make it out. (laughs) And then you're just like, you don't see it. You're just like, I got to keep making money so I can stay in LA. And, Mm -hmm. and then the opportunity comes and you're like, hallelujah, you know? And you you get out. Yeah. And and I I don't want you to like spill the tea on anybody specifically, but working in LA, yes, sir. I can't imagine you didn't see some crazy stuff on set or just being a part of some really yeah. fantastical wild productions. Yeah. Yeah, compared got, to what we see here. I got yelled at a couple times and I don't know if it was <laughs> it happens. It happened. I, I I don't know if it was me like being overzealous about, you know, I think the the best thing I was watching a YouTube of a gaffer, an Australian gaffer, and he gave this is the best advice I think I've heard. But he's like your level of care has to be at the level of the directors. Right? It can't be above yeah. The yeah. level of directors. Yeah. Right? You cannot care more than the director about a shot. Because when you do, you're putting yourself, you're putting your ego yeah. over the movie. And so if you don't care about the movie at that level, like sometimes it's just a shot. Like sometimes yeah. it's just a shot. But you know, if I'm in there yelling, the ratios are off. Like this looks terrible. Like that's yeah. not my job. My job that's is to support not, yeah. the vision of the director. And so I can, you know, whisper it to him. And if he's like, hey man, it's good, don't worry about it. Yeah. But if I bring my ego into it and I'm like, yeah, this looks terrible. You know, that's not my job, and you can't care less than the director either. Yeah. So, and then you're gonna you're gonna miss stuff, or you're gonna you know, your work's gonna slack. So I think there's a there's a really fine line of where your where your yeah care should be. I feel like yeah. I I got to experience that firsthand on a, a project we were on recently. Yeah, shooting overnight, and and we were just having that dialogue as we were going through. Like I'm camera up, you're gaffing, and we're like, I think that example of don't care more than the director, not that the director didn't care, but I think we're trying to be really technical and really like, like there's still more that can be done. Right. Yeah. And sometimes uh, you got to go. Sometimes you're on a time constraint. Yeah. Sometimes it's budget. Sometimes the actor's hot and you want to go get the performance Yeah. Mm-hmm. and we'll deal with it and resolve later. You know, we'll punch stuff up and dial yeah. stuff. But it's, if, if, if you go in caring too much, your ego's too big. And you really got to, you know, if you don't put the movie first, then why are you doing it? Yeah. Right. That's really good advice. Yeah. yeah that's, that's great advice. Everyone needs to hear that. That's a, that's a great takeaway. Well, and I only say because I got punished. I mean, I got punished for yeah. caring. To, I got yelled at. Um, you know, I was the, we had a DP who had to step off because he was shooting another show while we were on a project. And so the cam ops get bumped up. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm the gaffer. So I know the light. Right. And so I'm, Hey, we need to, this is not, you don't have enough light. Okay, we're going to shoot. No, 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 you need more light. We're going to shoot. I said, guys, it's not going to work. Go outside. Okay. Wow. All right. So I got, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And I'm frustrated outside and I'm like, but I think I was wrong. I really, I think I, think I was wrong. I think my approach, maybe I was right. And this is something that's been hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm normally, yeah. I'm normal, you know, and my friends will laugh at this, but I'm normally correct. Yeah. But it's my approach to being correct is wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Technically speaking, you were correct. I'm correct. Yeah. But 
doesn't matter. If 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 it falls, if you can't, if the person you're talking to can't hear it, then it what does. a waste of time. Yeah, what a waste of time. Yeah, just roll with them. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people got to learn their own lesson too. You know, so you can't you can't fix everybody's problem. You know, sometimes they have to learn on their own. Like, oh man, we don't we definitely underexposed. Yeah, yeah. that's my favorite you know? approach. Is just like. I'll be we'll there look to look and see what happens. Yeah, let me the, yeah. the your funeral approach. I don't know if that's the right. I <laughs> not, think you not, can not that, whisper not it that hard. And, right, yeah, whisper yeah. it, and then it's up to them. Then I've I've put the ball in your court. Yeah, it's up to you to take the jumper. Yeah, it's like a jumper. subtle, a subtle like, hey, um, it maybe you might like it if we tried yeah. this. And that right. approach I think works way better than you're wrong. It, Why are you? Doing <laughs> <this>? <laughs> yeah. You're screwing it up. You're screwing it up. Yeah. That's At funny. least in my experience. Yeah. 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 And I, I know you, you worked on some pretty cool projects that I've seen, like the recent um, Atlas Orion Silver Series, that uh, little promo short they shot. Any other, like, or maybe in your mind, like, what's the biggest, like, just wildest project you had the experience to work on while you were out there? I've got a couple, and they all, they all are different how... Uh, I worked on I worked as a project manager for a company called Megatrax for a long time, and that's probably where I learned the most about how to be a professional, but also the technical stuff. I was working with guys that were, you know, had thirty years in the business. You know, yeah. they were riggers, they were motion control, um, and those guys just really like invested into me, and so they taught me all this different stuff. Um, but it was a high speed camera dolly, went zero to sixty in two seconds. We did what? stuff for NASCAR with it. <laughs> um, but it just had a really, it was a really hard development. Um, it's a really expensive piece of machinery. Um, so they're, they're no longer in business now. But like I, I always tell the founder, I'm like, thank you so much for letting me work on this because I learned so much. And, you know, he's upset, but, you know, he's like, you know, I'm glad you got something out of it. But just getting to be around like true professionals and, yeah. you know, and they really respected what I tried to do for them. I'd organize the days, I'd hotels, flights, um, you know, gear, machinery. I was going to Home Depot three days a week, you know. So <laughs> it's like I got to learn all that, like, really tac- tactile right. um, yeah. tactile work in the film business. But uh, that was really cool. And I did a, a film with um, Sylvester Stallone, kind of one of those B-movie, um, for B-movie for China, Emmett, Emmett Furlow Oasis films, which you can Google that if you need to. <laughs> um, you know, we got to spend a week with, with Sylvester Stallone, his best friend John Hertzfield was my boss. Um, you know, John a lot, he's done some crazy stuff in the business. He, uh, one of the coolest things he, he gave Charlize their own, her first role. Wow. So, you know, she, she's on speed dial on his phone yeah. and cool. Mark Wahlberg was asking him for notes on a movie one time. It's just, he has all these connections to all these people and yeah. he's just, the, I call him the wild man. He never sleeps, never eats. Always, <laughs> always you know, we working. Yeah. Just we were working gone. 14 hours a day on rewrites of this movie for six weeks before we shot it. And, Ohio and so that was really tough but it like showed like if you grind you can figure it out you know and and yeah. just like be around smart people just put yourself around smart people and yeah you know even you know the movie is what it is it's a b-level action movie it's fun it's a fun movie <laughs> yeah. um, but you know you just see like all the work that has to go into making something like that and you know even even on small movies, man, people go so hard and, and yeah. respect us so much. So it's it's hard to make any movie, I think. It is, yeah. And, and to make a to make a good movie is exceptionally hard. Yeah, and but probably one of the bigger benefits of being in the marketplace there is 
just the frequency and the diversity of work that exists. Right. Like uh, there are probably a good even number of people that aspire to move to LA to get into the business and probably an equal number of people in LA that are like, all right, I've, like I've done my time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's time to take my skills elsewhere, which right. I feel like you probably recently experienced that. Yeah. I was, uh, I was at the point in my career where I was gaffing nonstop. And, you know, I, when I went to LA, I was, you know, shoot, I'd still, I still shoot and produce. And I was, a lot of those jobs came from gaffing, you know, it's like, here's a competent gaffer. What else can you do? Or, you know, someone would refer me or like if I had a DP friend that needed something produced, I would produce it for him. Um, And I just think you learn so much about the business doing G&E. You know, I think that's like, well, like I said before, it's probably your biggest, monetary span maybe art uh, be similar but um it's normally your biggest crew base on on a project um and so i just think having that information um as a crew member you know how to talk to crew members you know how to produce you know where the schedule is going to get um ate up you know where the you know the pinch points of the project are um and so you know i had just been gaffing 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 nonstop, and I basically worked after things opened up again in LA. I was about six months straight, just no breaks. Wow. Music videos, music videos, music videos. And then finally <laughs> got a feature that got me out of music video world. And the feature was really fun. And But at that time, I'd kind of made my mind up. I had a conversation with you and some of the guys in Bowling Green about, you know, what would it look like if I moved back? You know, I had been here because of COVID. COVID displaced me for sure. I'm type 1 diabetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it hit in February, um, you know, early March of last year, I, you know, I called my mom. I was like, I don't really, like, I went to the grocery and it kind of freaked me out. And I was like, I don't really know if I should stay here. Cause if something goes wrong, it goes really sideways really quick for me. Cause I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. as much as I'm, I'm, I'm not disabled, but I'm immunocompromised for certain things. But, um, so I, I got out of town and I came back to this part of the world for the first time in 10 years for an extended period of time. Mm. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being back and the people and, yeah. you know, I, I got to you know work with you guys and see the quality of work you were doing. And I was like, if we can maintain that quality of work, then I'll, I'll be happy. Yeah. You know, I'll be happy yeah. working at that level. And hopefully there's more stuff in, in Nashville, more people I can, you know, connect with and hopefully, you know, help them out with, with some, you know, taking I, that skill set. Well, this, this, this is like, this is the best time to come back to Nashville because there's so much happening here yeah, now. Nashville's and it, really grown. And it continues to grow. Yeah. Right. It's not the Nashville of my youth, my childhood. Oh, no. I can't, you know, this was my city growing up. This is yeah. the closest city to, to where I grew up. So yeah. just seeing it evolve and, yeah. and what it could be, um, was exciting. You know, I just, it was, do I join the union, try to get in the union as a, as a gaffer and all I'm going to do is gaff for the next, you know, five to 10 years, maybe taking some producing projects when I can. Yeah. Or do I change it up, try to get closer home? You know, my family went through um, some stuff last year. Um, and just being being far away for that was um, is really tough. Yeah. Um, and so getting back to where I'm, a, uh, you know, if something goes wrong, I'm, I'm a car right away. Not Much a, closer. Yeah. Not yeah. an airplane. So. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I talk about this with people too, is I think a lot of people I met in L.A. were – running away from their families in a way or, 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 you know, trying to create separation. And like, I have a, I have a great family. Yeah. And I always, you know, I, always, I talked to a friend, Gwen Rogers, who's a producer here. And she's like, don't you think it's so weird? I'm like, yeah, I love my family. And people, people in our <laughs> line of work typically have like these weird relationships that, you know, not, not speaking for everybody. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know your situations either, but I just was like, man, I, 
I, I would love to be close and get to do the work. And so I thought yeah. this was a great compromise of both those two worlds. Yeah. That's well, awesome. and we talk about this a lot on the show is just the, the film community in Nashville in particular is so much different than, you know, what you get out in LA or New York. Uh, it's just, it, it's more family feeling right. even just within the, the network of people that you work with here. Everybody's trying to help everybody out. Um, you're only you're like one to two degrees away from the, the next guy. Like right. they, they've heard of you or they've worked with you yeah. or seen your work. And so, you know, there, there's not a lot of, it, it's not oversaturated to the point where it's every man for themselves. Like right. there, there's enough family dynamic, even with the growth that's, that's still present in this town. Yeah. There's and like, there's definitely some production, um, competition for sure. For sure. But I think at the same time, like to your point, it, it's pretty regular that if someone can't take a job, like they're they'll reach out to not only will they like reach out to their own yeah. network, but like I, I get messages all the time, like a friend of a friend of a friend, right. like yeah. That which just means I'm like third or fourth on the Rolodex of but still <laughs> like I don't know this person and I'm probably competing for them. Yeah. With them for part of this hustle. But yeah. well, I feel like that's how it was in LA it. to a degree. I mean that's obviously bigger when it's more people, but yeah. In certain networks, like you know, I got. I mean, we're a referral business, right? Like, oh, I, yeah. you know, I don't think my resume has ever gotten me a job. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe it has. Right. Or, you know, I think once you have been, you know, you you get passed by someone of, of trust. You know, someone trusts you and they pass you on. Then they may look at your resume, but yeah, if someone doesn't vouch for you, and you know, I don't. Oh yeah, sponsorship is a big it's deal. Huge. Oh it's yeah, huge. Yeah, the cosign. Yep. Yeah, the biggest deal. Well, I'm excited to see what, what Nashville is and the, the community. And I'm excited to see what you make work. here. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. See. let's see. I'm excited. So yeah, your, your uh, production credits here in town, they'll be under the El Cito Films? Yes. So, you know, that came about. I just, I, I needed a, a production company at the time. My friend was, we had a uh, contact at Samsung who wanted some internals done um, for their smart, smart program. Um so I incorporated in Kentucky, a lot cheaper than LA. <laughs> um, got production insurance, and I was producing. So for for those of you out here, you know, I think there's a little sharp learning curve when you start doing it. But I had a lot of people, um, you know, Aubrey Canfield. I, I messaged her. I was like, Hey, I need to see your budget sheets. I need, you know, and you know, I think like what you said, sponsorship. I think if people are kind enough to invest their time in you and show you how to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's amazing. I mean, there's a, a million ways to skin it as a producer. There's a t- totally different styles, totally different projects people are working on. But, you know, one thing I try to do is always pay my crew up front. I try to get my, you know, get, at least get 50% of the budget so that I can operate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one to two day projects, that seems to work pretty well. So it's been good. I've gotten to do some cool stuff um, under my banner. And, you know, I still freelance a ton and I love working on other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I think I like to wear all the different hats and that's probably a, a, a good reason why I decided to put the LA stuff on hold and, you know, I just try to do some other stuff, which yeah. is what I enjoy. That's so great. let's, uh, before we talk about some of the projects that you've worked on recently, the origins of your production company name, there's gotta be a story behind that. Oh yeah, for sure. So, First, what does it translate to? It's the little bear. Yeah. El Osito, the little bear. Yeah. And then films is pelliculas or films. Um, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> films what? Films what? Are we talking uh, about films? Here? Huh? <laughs> so in grad school, there's a Miami has a great program where they paid for you know my class um, to go to Antigua, Guatemala, and you basically are teaming up with like an NGO in that part of the in that part of the world. There's a company, Actuality Media, who coordinated Aubrey. I just mentioned she runs actuality media and you know I really fought her on how the best part way to go about what we're doing so we we got matched up with a school and we were going to tell the story of the school and I was like this is lame like let's just go shoot she wouldn't let me take a camera at the time I was shooting all the time (laughs) you know Canon 5d you know the OG one of my favorite cameras um I, so, I wish this was a video podcast so people could see, see you just like sh- shout out the, the shout out to the sky <laughs> for the five D. Everybody my, knows my the praise 5D. to the, the 5D. to the recently yeah. deceased RIP, dude. RIP. <laughs> um, so you know, I was shooting all the time, and and she had this really specific way she wanted to go about it, like figure out what your story is before you go shoot before you get a camera. It's like that's lame. I know we'll figure Let something. Let me just out. shoot. Let me just shoot. And what that did was it organized our process, it organized our thoughts. It made us like we were a four-person team, so we really had to know what we were trying to go get. And in that time, we were doing interviews of like some of the students at the school, and we ended up. It's a it's a project called Romana. We can link it if you want. Yep. Um, one of my favorite things I've ever worked on. Um, but you know, I don't speak Spanish, so um my buddy Luis we were going around this school and all these little kids uh would run up to me and you know como te llamas what's your name what's your name and you know Barrett it and you know they couldn't they just the double r i don't know something work. about yeah. it it just if your name if if you don't speak english barrett's not the easiest thing to say yeah um and so Luis is like osito el oso the bear the bear the little bear and so all these little kids for the next week are going, Osito, Osito, and yelling at me in the streets. And, you know, and it just I just felt like it stuck, you know. People have called me bear growing up, you know. People yeah. are lazy and don't want to do the double, <laughs> <laughs> double syllable. Um, and I, I have a bear-esque physique, I would say, um, especially in West Hollywood. Um, <laughs> but uh, El Osito stuck, and, you know, I, when I – came to starting this production company i was like i need a name i was like elocito and so you know i have friends in miami they call me Osito, and it just it just stuck i mean it's it's a good uh yeah that's good it's a good fit and it's a really good story like yeah like that's super meaningful to you versus like versus me making up something yeah which is the name of my company means nothing. I just <laughs> it Googled it something. and I was it like, means, I can't find it. Means it means something to you. It means something to me. Yeah. Yeah. It has no cool story, though, except I Googled it and couldn't find it. That's yeah. the only story I yeah. have. You know, the only thing is I was, you're always worried that people are going to think you're doing only Spanish-specific projects. Oh, that's like, <laughs> have you Have you run into that? <laughs> no, problem? it's honestly yeah. been pretty cool. People huh. meet me and they're like, oh, okay, we get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you got El Osito and the, the little bear. Right. Like, so it's, yeah. Yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. But it's been cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, recent projects that you've worked on. I know we were together last Friday. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I love live performance. I love getting to sh- – that was – for me, I I, I told uh, Chris Booby Young, I was like, man, it's, it was so great just getting to shoot and not have to do all this other stuff. You know, I, I have always felt really comfortable with a camera in my hand. And, you know, in L.A., I feel like that's something you had to really – all the time to be the shooter to be the camera right? there's for every 
for every post on Facebook you see of someone looking for a cinematographer, there's a hundred, hundred people posting on it. And yeah. so I think you really have to fight to get to shoot stuff. And, you know, I shoot stuff when my friends are, you know, are working on it or, you know, stuff worked out, but it was just nice to, you know, here's a camera. All you got to do is shoot. You know, I help with the lighting just because I'm, I'm yeah. I know it and I'm I'm good at it. But it's more suggestions than like this is what we you know they they knew what they wanted. For Plus me, we had just, a giant LED wall. LED walls so are tough to beat. Easier. I, I saw the BTS for that shoot. Yeah, it looked yeah, really it awesome. was fun. It was, it was fun. Good 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 BTS stuff, Travis. Um, so yeah, and it's like just give me a camera and let me find stuff. And if it were and the collaboration with Booba has always been really pretty easy. Yeah, I know he has a strong vision. And I respect, I think that's the most important thing you can have as a director. He's also influenceable, though. Yeah. Well, it, it's, <laughs> it's a collaboration, right? So yes. if I give him an option and he's like, yeah, I like that. Great. Or now here's what we need. Great. Now I know. Where your head's where, at. Where, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not someone who, if, if you can give me a reason to defend it, we're cool forever. If you're wishy-washy, I sense that and I just, I, I need... Gonna, I need a backbone. Gonna, I've always, keep going. Yeah, yeah. I always have needed, I just needed, I need someone to just tell me the truth. Just, you know, be straight up. Yeah. yeah. Don't be wishy-washy. And, and I think that's the people I've gotten along with the most. And, you know, there's a directness, I think, of working in LA that I'm maybe going to try to soften <laughs> coming back to the South that I've noticed that, that may not go over as well. But, you know, I think being direct, I, I, I call it nice and kind, right? So I think I'm a kind person, but I'm not always nice. I think nice sometimes gets in the way of, of being honest and direct. And I think it's more important to be, you know, oh, yeah, like a high degree of candor on set makes yeah. things move it's a lot quicker. It's efficient. And if, if, if I hurt your feelings, it's never the intention. Um, and if you hurt my feelings, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a sensitive guy. I mean, yeah. but I'll let you know, like, Hey man, that hurt my, like, I think it's just better to just get it out in the open. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think, you know, I'm a big Brene Brown. I like the vulnerability of strength. I think that's an important part of life. Um, if you're not willing to like explore that side of yourself, I don't think you can be true to the project. If you're not being true to the project, why are we here? Yeah. Yeah. And then the collaboration component too. Like exactly. It, I mean, I feel like the culture on set like can be yeah. either amazing when there's great collaboration or it could be the complete opposite. Yeah. And if you're never listened to and you're stifled all the time, like that sucks because like sometimes mm -hmm. Like, once again, you're right. Like, you know you're right, but you just, yeah. you may not be right for the certain instance. And, you know, I think a good idea can come from anywhere. It can come from your PA. Because yeah. I was that PA. Yeah. You know, I yeah. was the PA that had an idea. And I think it's important to listen to to those guys and try to boost them and mm -hmm. and see what they're doing. I just had a, I got a really cool uh, Instagram message. I, the caveat of the PA on our last show kind of worked as a key PA. I was like, bro, you need to quit key PA in. <laughs> I was like, you need to go AD. Yeah. Like, you have that skill. He's like, man, I know. I just never. He finally messaged me because, hey, I just AD'd. He's like, I took your advice. I was like, man, that's sick. That's, that's a awesome. Great. great feeling. Yeah. yeah. Leveling you, up. You get the, the proud dad feeling. Yeah. It's like, I was like, oh, man. I was like, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of off color. Like, bro, you need to quit doing Like, grow up. Like, right, you, right. Go, go do something. Yeah. Test it. At least test it. And yeah, if it yeah. doesn't work out, you can always come back. Yeah. And he went and did it. And I think it worked out pretty well for him. That's great. He'll probably do it forever. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. another good, like, uh, version of sponsorship. Like, sometimes, right. like, somebody just needs to know that you're their sponsor. Right. Like, like, like I believe in you. Like, you got this. Like, yeah. just do it. Well, and I don't think we re realize, like, and I, and I know the people that did it for me in my life probably don't realize the impact that it had on me of just, like, hey, man, you, you have a skill set. Like, you should yeah. come to L.A. 
And then I'm sitting there on my couch being like, I have a skill set. I should move to LA. It's probably, it's probably a good idea. Playing over and over again. Well, and over and over. And then you're sitting on your couch and you're like, man, I'm so sick of sitting here. Like, <laughs> let's do something. Like, you know, I think, you know, I think there's a, a point to being optimistic. And then there's also like with that optimism, you have to be opportunistic, right? You have yeah. to go get it. Nobody's going to hand you it. Like you have yeah. to go find it. And I think that's the activity that you got to, you got to find. Well, it's so easy, you know, to be self-conscious and to be, you know, like, uh, it, we talk imposter syndrome. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the, I feel yeah. like, like imposter syndrome is it's prevalent. Is runs rampant. Some of my yeah. favorite people that I respect the hell out of their work have it. Yeah, yeah. and I talk to them all the time about it. And they're like, I've got, I've been on Instagram and I've got imposter syndrome. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but you're, but you're better amazing. than these people yeah. were watching. You just got to get your shot. And the response sometimes is always, they just need a shot. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. Know. I don't know. And and fear. We t- we talk fear a lot too. Like fear holds a lot of people back for sure. Because uh, they're afraid of criticism. They're For afraid sure. they're not good enough. The imposter syndrome. Um, but it's like, I, I always say that the worst thing you can do is nothing at all. Right. Just do something. Right. Just put yourself out there. Even it if might you be fail. scary. Even if you fail. It. Yeah, you, you won't regret doing it. I think it. the problem is we see a lot of finished projects. We see a lot of finished yeah. work. Right, right. And so you're not seeing the rough cut. You're not seeing the... The blood, you know, sweat, always, and tears. Right. Like, you know, the student films of some of the people you respect yeah. and love. Yeah. Like yeah. the first albums of, of you know, the unsigned yeah. artists. That, <laughs> yeah. You know, we just, we see too much finished work and we're like, you know, like it just, they just, mm-hmm. you know, snap like their it, fingers and it didn't just happen. show up on set, work a half day and like put yeah. out this right. amazing right. 30 minutes short. I mean, it's hard for everybody. You just don't see it. Yeah, all. some of your favorite things people prepped for ten years to make. Yeah, like, yeah. or they were in development hell, or Lost sleepover. There was yeah. thirteen writers on the project. Like, you know, it's like yeah. you you're not giving enough credence to the work. And I think, like, right. for me, it's like I think you have to stay dedicated to the work and not the result. And that's super easy to say because we're in such a result driven society. And like, if you're not making your work for you, and I think you do a good job of that. Like, you make stuff for you. You make stuff you respect. And then also, like, the people you're making it for love it, too, which is sick. But, like, if you're not, like, loving it at the end of the day, like, what a waste. (laughs) What's what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I would love to connect the dots between the, like, the vulnerability and then also, like, just do it even if you fail. Can we be vulnerable for a moment here? I would love to talk about just, like, your process creatively. I know you produced a lot of projects been on a lot of projects where you're probably taking risks biggest creative failure you feel like Ooh. you learned the most from this was this was so hard so i had started a documentary in probably 2017 and i guess i was just naive about how it would affect me uh emotionally and affect so there was a, a a little girl who ended up missing and then they later found her um found her dead um she was a twin it was a really kind of a messy court case uh stepfather got arrested you know and i I started doing interviews for it my my friend sent to me like man you should really try to do like a making a murder of this and it was in my hometown i was like okay like let me see so i was every now and then i'd fly back for two or three days and do an interview yeah i was working with a company there and that company was just getting started as a as a full-fledged production company and so they had a lot of stuff on their plate too um and so you know we basically collect all these interviews and then 
I still do not know what happened in this court case. And I think, you know, for me as, as a filmmaker, it was hard to like, cause you're always looking, I think, um, one of my professors said, you know, a script has to make sense, but real life never does. Yeah. And so this was definitely real life. It's, you know, I think, you know, I was, I, at the time I was very critical of the policing uh, involved and I realized that they are doing the best they probably could with the information they had. I'm critical of the, you know, people prosecuting it. They're doing the best they can with the information they had. I'm critical of the people involved with it. You know, they were using drugs at the time. So how do you know what, what the truth was? Yeah. yeah. And so for me, it was one of those things I probably bit off a little bit more than I was, was willing. I, and maybe I could have got through it, but emotionally, like I was depressed working on it. I didn't, I didn't enjoy the process. And, you know, like I said, the other production company, I didn't have enough help at the time they were starting their stuff and, like they had to feed their families. I couldn't be mad at them for taking other stuff. And, right. And so it was just a real big, you know, and I still communicate with some of the family members today and I feel awful that they had to go through this and um, just a really messy. And, and sometimes there are no winners and losers. It's just yeah. life. Like, you know, life is messy and yeah. it doesn't make sense. And it does. And yeah. it, I could not figure I was like, I can't figure out what, what happened and what I really want to say with it. And, I don't know if they do either. They just want somebody wants to know what happened. I I don't. I'm not sure if anyone ever will. Yeah. Well, which is sad. Other than the people that were there, and once again there was drug use. So yeah. Who knows? And what a a heavy doc to like try to jump into. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lesson. Be mindful. Be mindful of what you're going to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes with feature films too. I think some people. There's weight to what we, I mean, there's emotional weight to what we make. and Well, if you're invested in it and, and like you truly want to see it through. Right. Then, yeah, you start making emotional connections, mental connections to whatever the story is. Right. I had a niece uh, that was like, the, you know, she's four now, but at the time she was getting close to that age. And it, I just couldn't close my eyes and not see yeah. that. And so just the con- connection there, I was like, bad things happen in life. It's, it's tough. Well, I, and speaking of that, like I, I worked for five years on a documentary that I directed called hear me now. That was about bullying. Cause that was something that I dealt with personally. I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to tell the story. I'm, I'm going to talk to people that have been through it. it. It was, yeah, it was, a it was a roller coaster. I had to go back to therapy during production just because of all the, the stuff it brought back up. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons it took five years. Yeah, because you probably buried it. You probably were like, yeah. all right, I've worked through this. I'm going to bury it. And then yeah. you rehash it every time in the edit. You're just like. But it's Whoo. it's it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, I got to I gotta get through this. I got to get through it. You know, you, like you got to tell yourself, you got to get through it. Again, because you were committed to it. Yeah. Like to telling exactly. that story, right? And it's not just, to be clear, like it's it's not just these documentaries that where you're talking to real people that you can get emotionally connected to. You can get emotionally connected to a script, just mm-hmm. a story that you're in love with, and you can get very attached to it. Um, and, you know, that's good because uh, it puts a lot of passion behind it, and I think people can see that both on set and, you know, in the finished product. But... You know, you get you gotta have guardrails. You gotta have boundaries because you can go a little too far with the way you feel about it, and, well, and it can ruin the project. A lot of people have a problem with you know, say they have a script and they really love it and they're the writer on it. You know, if someone d- buys it and develops it, yeah, they're gonna chop that up. Like it's not gonna it's exactly. not gonna look like what it looks like in your head. 
And so you have to be okay with like, you have okay, to learn I'm to like giving go a this bit. away, right? I'm giving yeah. this away and it's up to you to take care of it. Mm-hmm. You got to find the right people to take care of your project, right? Yeah. And so you see a lot of people, you know, holding on to their project and it's never going to get made. But yeah. if you let go of the, of the leash a little bit, you have yeah. a chance to make a film and you have a chance to get your name out there. And so I think it's, uh, I talked to a lot of writers that, you know, are upset that they mm-hmm. let their baby go and then, but, they made a movie, you know, yeah. Made yeah. a movie of your work. It's it's taken me years to get to that place, right? Uh, for for so long, I was the the naive, too close to the chest person with with story ideas, but I finally finally gotten to a point where I'm like, you know what, I I created something, and you know I I'm giving it to the world, right? So if that's someone buying it and changing it or shelving it or whatever it might be. I, I did. I did. I did the thing. I created it and I put it out there and I did what my part. Yeah. So this is the next stage of life for this story that may not involve me. Do you have know? any? Do you have any screenplays I can buy? Yeah. Like we're getting. <laughs> I do actually. Deal right can I, dollar <laughs> option. Let's go. Do you have go. anything I can option? Because I. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm looking for whatever my next thing is. I wrote a lot last year since I wasn't on I set. Can, I can't imagine why. <laughs> All that free time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, last question for you before we get into our lightning round that we still don't have an intro for. <laughs> John Bailey, he just did a commercial with Ryan Reynolds. We need to get him to do it. Nice. Oh, we maybe, we his can name get, maybe we can get Ryan Reynolds to... <laughs> even better, <laughs> to even better. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's willing to do anything to promote himself or yeah. any of his projects. It's products. Yeah. Smart yeah. investment. Yeah, he's a, he's a smart guy. Killing it. All right, last question. Uh, if you could give one piece of advice to any young creative, maybe it's a filmmaker, maybe they want to get specific into a trade, just somebody that's wanting to get into the business of creating visual content with all the experience that you have, your life lessons through school and in LA and everything, like what would that one like critical piece of advice be? I feel like I've given a few. Oh, I mean, you've given already. a lot. I think I've given a few yeah. already. Um, I'll just say what I admire in people. I work, you know, I've worked with a lot of people. I mean, I'm 32 at this point. I've worked with a lot of like tenacious DPs and directors who are less than 25. Yeah. And I think what impresses me most about them is that they somehow they have blinders on and they're so. What's the word? They just they don't care. Right. They just, they're, they're going and getting it and they're not afraid of, of the consequences of their, of their work. Yeah. They're just, yeah. they're, ten, they, they're aggressive, you know, no one's ever going to tell a 23 year old DP or 23 year old director, Hey man, you're too young to be doing, you know, yeah. but like when you're working with them, you're like, man, this guy's really young, but <laughs> they know their stuff. They're good and they're tenacious. And like, you just can't dissuade them for what they like the vision they have. And yeah. they have, so much like aggressive vision, I would say it would be the, the most important Just part. Just commitment. Like commitment. Their, their to own the, yeah. internal commitment is yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to make this happen. On set, you don't see like, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things like, you know, even some of the, you know, tougher genie guys I've worked with. If they, they're like sharks in the water. If they smell weakness, it's like it's oh, yeah. blood in the water. Yeah. If you look like you don't know what you're talking about, you know, and I think, I don't think you have to know everything. I think you can add like, those are great people. They've, you know, I think what a, a key grip in a year will do, you know, the ones I've worked with will do probably 10 to 15 projects, right? 
whether feature film, I mean, probably maybe more with music videos and stuff, but yeah. they'll do 10 to 15 good projects. A director in a year, maybe three or four or five yeah. projects. So just the amount of experience those guys have, like they're great pieces of, uh, you know, they're great people to, hey, what do y'all think about this? Here's what we're thinking about doing. But I would just say have the confidence in your work, have the confidence in yourself. And, you know, yeah. if you don't know something, make a decision and be okay with being wrong. Yeah. I think just, you know, but I think making making a quick, strong decision, I think that's what's impressed yeah. me the most. Well, it have confidence to, in yourself. Yeah, yeah, it goes back to what you said about directors. Don't be wishy-washy. Know what you want. Know what you want. Uh, and if you don't know what you want, don't show that you don't exactly. know what you want. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a lot to be said about, uh, you know, masking your your uh, insecurities on set. Because yeah. it I, is like sharks in the water. Sharks in the water. People. And I, I would say, like, so maybe you're not going in as, like, it's really hard to direct, right? It's really hard to get those opportunities. When you get them, knock them out of the park, right? But, yeah. you know, say you're, oh, let's just talk PAs. I think that's the that's how I had to go in. I came out of film school. Yep. Um, you know, I definitely felt like I was overqualified. But, I think the most important thing at that time, it was humility um, to respect the people around me. You know, those people had to work their ass off too to get to where they are, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of people at home who would quit their nine to five careers to be able to have an opportunity to do what we get to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, at that level, you have a kind of a gilded view of what we do and like we're, you know, we're getting crustier as we get into it. But right. I, th- I still think, <laughs> you know, there's days and I always talk, we're chasing, I always, you know, it's like not the 90, 10, you know, 90% of the time it's going to feel like work, but you're looking for that 10% time where it just all, like I felt like last Friday, it just all lined up. Yeah. It, was, it was just, and you're, I'm always chasing those days where it's just like, man, that was, that was fun. That was a great day. Mm-hmm. I've got no comments. I thought we did a great job. We gave everything we could and the vibe was good. And like, so you're always chasing these like perfect sunset days. <laughs> Right. Yeah, some yeah. days it's going to end up raining and sometimes we're going to get rained on. Yeah. Sometimes the loadout's going to suck. Sometimes you're not going to have an elevator when you're leaving the location. You know, so you have all these problems, but like you're always chasing those like perfect days. Yeah. yeah. That Friday was great. It was great. I'm jealous. It was great. <laughs> Sorry. It I, ha- saw, I, mean, I saw all of it the happen- BTS. It, it happens. And when it happens, you just got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy it because yeah. you know that. Sometimes you're gonna have an overnight that's gonna be tough. Right. Sometimes you're gonna. I did a movie of overnights, and so like, you know, it changes your life. Everything went so well on that Friday. I feel like like we were originally. Oh yes, definitely. Knock on, knock on wood. <laughs> uh, but we were planning on it being a pretty late night, and we wrapped several hours early. Yeah. Which is crazy. And that's efficiency e- right there. And everything looked. Fantastic, okay. but also, I mean, we had dedicated like we had specific roles, and yeah. everyone did their job to the to a high level, and I think that's all you can ask for. It's like, and you know, I'm you know, on that, I wasn't a producer, I wasn't a director, I was a cam op, and so like my job is to cam op the best I can cam op, and you, you know, cam opted the shit out of that komodo. You, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to produce this shoot. That's not my yeah. job, and so like knowing knowing what you're there for, I think is super important, and like. Mm. We can all aspire to be the director, but if you're not the director on the project, you've got to come with the same passion of the director, not yeah. more, and right, not less, right? right. right? That's, and that's in and your the, specific job. And then you get done ahead of schedule, and you know yeah. everything's, you know, yeah. traffic is flowing. That might be the best piece of advice I've probably ever. Yeah, heard that's a great piece as of it advice. relates to working on set. Yeah, your level of give a damn has to match yeah, the director. Has to match exactly. Yeah. 
And I want to work with directors who really give a damn. Right. Right. <laughs> I really, because yeah, I really, like, I really You care. really I, do. I, yeah, I yeah. might, I might care too much. And I think that's been a penalty in my life. So maybe, so maybe the South will soften me down a little bit again, which. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like this version of Barrett. Yeah. Like I, I'm good with it, but. Thank you. Not everybody is, I'm sure. It could, it could be an acquired taste. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, I think know. we're like we're like four or five projects in yeah, together. So for sure, I've acquired. You've acquired that. I couldn't finish that sentence. I could not. I was not going to finish that sentence. But yes, and I had a, I had a great group in LA that had, had figured out how best to use my skill set, and like I really, I miss those guys, and hopefully I get to see them soon and work with them. But yeah, it. Uh, you, you got to find your tribe. I think that's important for, for sure. people starting out too. Yeah, not everybody's gonna not everybody's gonna share your vibe. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. The good news for you though is it's like a hundred and eighty dollar flight direct from Nashville True. to L.A. So, True. oh yeah, that's an easy. True. Get back to Miami if I need to. Pick it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, a re- I'm a regional filmmaker now. I'm moving around. It's good. Atlanta's yeah. not too far away. So, uh, you're just easing right into it. Yeah. Just regional filming. Have, have camera, yeah. we'll travel. Ready to go. <laughs> Is that the first line in your Instagram bio? Should, yeah. <laughs> have camera, we'll yeah. Travel. Where are you based? USA. USA. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever you need me. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Let's go. Uh, let's get into some lightning round stuff because sure. this is always really fun. Lightning round. I, I just I want to randomly push we, one of these. Do we do enough gaffer for you though? Is that enough? That's more gaffer than we've had okay. on the show. Do you need more technical gaffer? No, okay. I, I I think it's good. Holistic, I, the holistic approach to gaffing? Yeah, I think what would be, and we could talk about this, maybe since you're local now, maybe we should get you in every now and then for like a little gaffer episode. Sure. Film School Friday gaffer? Actually, yeah, we, yeah. we, we could maybe start pulling in Scenarios. guests for Film School Friday. Yeah, because I, all I did, because we did a gaffer episode, but I just talked about like what, a what it is. was. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But not the yeah, technical stuff. Here. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll yeah. figure something out. I think I think the first I would love to talk about it sometime, like camera DPs versus lighting DPs and the difference and how, yeah, how that really affects the gaffer's role. Yeah, yeah, I think we that's can, a good one. I think the the first return episode for you, I'd like you to listen to Bill's gaffer episode. Sure. And, and, and just totally we'll just live we'll yeah. live listen and all comment on i mean it. all i did was talk about like what is a gaffer where does the word gaffer come from i oh, mean right. it was like real remedial See, they call stuff. Them clts right chief lighting technicians and I, yeah. I don't know why they changed it but i, I like gaffer yeah i liked it oh, this will be fun the gaff this weird mysterious role that people don't you know yeah. they know but they don't really know I was just regurgitating stuff that my former uh, everything you learned in film school said. about yeah. what a gaffer is. Who, who was a, a G and E guy, <laughs> nice. on like the Green Mile and stuff oh, cool. like that. Yeah, yeah. Just, my yeah, brain is running levels, a mile a minute now. Like, definitely levels to it. Yeah, CLT seems like that clearly like defines what the role is, exactly. like chief lighting technician. Exactly. Yeah, but gaffer just stage. It's rec- stage. It's yeah. recognizable. It's memorable. I do remember that from your episode. It has its roots in, in stage. Uh, stage. The gaff pole, right? Yeah. Yep. So I got that part right, Corey. All right. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're right. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You're right. yeah. We could just expound upon it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I j- it was just base level, like, and me talking about the, you talk about the, the guys in LA that have been doing it for years and years. I've worked on a home improvement pilot early, early on with like a, a gaffer from LA. 
who who was old enough to be my dad. Like he'd been doing it for decades. And I shook his hand, and oh, his yeah. hand felt like a oh, leather yeah. glove just oh, yeah. because he'd been touching balls, bare handing lights yeah. for yeah. so many years. Yeah, I'm an LED gaffer now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this keep, guy, keep this guy was like he he only touched uh, you know the old Mole Richardsons with oh, the, yeah. that you could cook a steak yeah, on exactly with his bare, bare hands, ten Ks with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. No big deal. Tungsten ten Ks. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all LED here. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I do own. I'm still a Fresnel guy. I do. Okay. We I could do a whole episode on this. Yeah, like a whole episode. Yeah, lighting choices and why you would go with what, and because I think a lot of people don't understand like the budgetary constraints oh, of yeah. lighting. Mm-hmm. You know why stuff is why tungsten can be more expensive than LED, even though LED is on sticker more expensive, but power supplies mm-hmm. and and man hours and labor like. Bulb life. That's my favorite conversations with producers. Like, there's just not one way to do. It. There's a million ways to do it, and yeah. and you gotta. That's probably my favorite. Is like the puzzle pieces of like. That's. I mean, that's why I like producing is the is the all the little puzzle pieces Figure, figuring all that but out. That's that's probably why I like Gaffin too. Is it's you get to do that on. There's the, a lot of that on a very specific level. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're definitely gonna have you back. Sure. Yeah. I'm down. We go deep. Talk lights. We go deep. Love it. Yeah, we'll Love figure that out. Always have. Yeah. But until then, let's talk about some of this little lighter stuff. Sure. All Speaking right. of lights. <laughs> <laughs> lightning. <laughs> Speaking of lights. <laughs> lightning. <laughs> I'll show myself out. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Barrett, all-time so, favorite movie. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, Frank Capra. Oh. A nice. Classic. Capra, Capra, whatever. Yeah. Excellent classic choice. Immediately emotional emotional connection in that film i'm just i mean as soon yeah. as you turn it on you're just like Ooh. okay uh the last movie that you watched oh man i just watched shazam again shazam shazam for the last, like the second time it movie's great it holds up is that the one with sinbad no this is the <laughs> <laughs> the dc uh that's kazam DC. i think or kazam yeah shazam yeah. That, and we need an actually, art house last art house movie I watched. It wasn't uh, it wasn't Sinbad either. Have y'all seen the Lighthouse? No. Yes, I've oh heard my about goodness. it. Is that the last? That's okay. That's the last movie I think that had a serious impact on my day. Yeah, it's, I was it's pretty nuts. Quite it? shook after yeah. watching it. Four three hard. And black, I think that black and white. I think the four three choice intensifies it. it oh yeah, it, it's very claustrophobic. That's a good way, like the te- the technical influences. Like I think that's the film school and the yeah the work. I think the te- the how that influences the art. Yeah. So so here's a question, like a side question. Uh, I should honestly ask this of all our guests, but when you watch a movie or a show, is it easy for you to let go of all the the craftsmanship behind it and just enjoy it, yeah, or do you think about the no, craftsmanship? No, if it's good, if it's good, I'm gone. I, I yeah. actually I listen to Deacon's Roger Deacon's podcast. Yeah, yeah. He said the exact same thing. I was like, that's exactly how I feel. But he was like, if it's good, he's like, he's out. Mm-hmm. If it's if he if the if something's wrong, you let's just do it. we'll do the film school. If the mise if the mise en scene is wrong, <laughs> right? If, <laughs> if you feel it, if you feel something's yeah, off, yeah. like then you start to be like, why? Yeah. And you're like, is it casting? Is it the lighting? And, you know, it's, you know, know, most stuff. Like I'm, I'm just in it. I'm watching and turning my brain off and not thinking. But 
you know, sometimes I'll see something really cool and then I'll have to go back and immediately like, uh, go figure back it to out. That. Like, you know, the Miss Maisel shot with the, the twisty stay, um, you know, steady cam. I was like, how do they, that's pretty cool. How they do yeah. that. See, I think that's a luxury for people in our business to be able to turn it off yeah. and, and just immerse themselves because I, I know, you know, every other person I know in this business, they can't watch something right. without thinking of every technical aspect. And and I, I'm like you. Like, I'll, I'll turn it off and I'll just mindlessly enjoy something. Mm-hmm. But if something stands out, bad or good, yeah. I'm going to notice that, For me, that a lot too. of times it's the writing. Like, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't call myself a writer. I took a lot of writing classes. and mm-hmm. You know, obviously I've read a lot of scripts, worked on a lot of projects. But, like, when I can feel the writing or I can, you know, yeah. I see the acts and I'm like, ah, they're really, yeah. they're really going for it here. But when, like... You know, I think pretty young was a pretty young woman that really surprised. I was like, I, I did not see any of that coming. And it was like shocking. I was like, I love when 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 they set you up and like and even with like a film school brain, you get set up for something. And then something just totally flips and you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I similarly like I'm I'm very AC, like camera tech minded. And I think it it annoys the shit out of my wife. Like, we'll we'll be watching a movie <laughs> or a show or something. And I'm really quick to call out like that shot would be impossible without a split diopter yeah, exactly. or like, why didn't they have a polarizer on there? Like you can see all the reflections. Yeah. You can't see through the glass. You know what? You know what one shot I, I could, I'll never, it, it ruined the movie. I, I thought Revenant was so good. And then I saw one of the actors breathe on what I assume was the, the filter. Oh, oh. I saw the, and I was like, man, that ruined yeah. that for me. It was totally like, it's such a subtle. Yeah. And I love Chivo. Like a Chivo walked into, um, I was PAing at this um, for this commercial company, and Chivo walked in. He was one of their directors, and I'm like, "Oh my God, Chivo!" And they're like, "Yeah, dude, he works here." And they're like, "You got to chill out." And yeah, I was relax. like, "Chivo!" And I, I like saw him, and I went up and talked to him, and he was totally freaked out. And I was like, <laughs> "I like just super intense." Like, I'm sure like cinematography super Fan fans. Like, yeah. I've had friends do that to Deacons. They were like, he was so freaked out. Like, we were just so intense with him, and like what I did with Chivo, and I was like. <laughs> But like, I respect his work. I was just like, man, why did y'all do that? You said that to him? No, I didn't. Oh, say, I okay. would never, I would yeah, that's never like, critique multiple I, uh, Oscar winning <laughs> Chivo. There's a shot in Minority Report where you can see the map box shadow on, oh. a, on a dolly in. And, oh. and I was just, this is, Spiel, this is Spielberg yeah. and Janusz Kaminski. Uh-huh. I'm just like, I'll, I'll, I, I remember it very well. I haven't seen Minority Report in years. I love the movie, but it's it's like I remember that that instance. Yeah, because it's I like think what the hell, what what was happening? Ignorance, ignorance truly is bliss when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like if you don't know, why would you ever? Yeah, and I'll even say it. We'll be shooting something, and you'll see like, I don't know, like a maybe a flag shadow, and just like and I'll be like, nobody's gonna know what that is. Yeah. yeah, like I'll know what that is, but no, nobody at home really will know what that is. Like sometimes is they like, do know what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sometimes <laughs> they do know what it is. Yeah. So. This is like a dolly in towards a door shot, and you can see the map box shadow oh, creep, up, creep on the up, door up on the as, door as the dolly arrives at at point B. Ugh. Just like, come on. I think the other thing too, though, like I, I definitely over index because it's easy for me to like just turn it off and disconnect and just that's the intent of a movie is to disconnect from reality right. for that hour and a half, two hours, whatever. But when I see something that like blows my mind visually, probably similar to you, I go like deep down the rabbit hole right. of how did they do that? Right. Yeah. Can I do that? Yeah. How can I recreate that? Like the neon demon. Yeah. There's so oh, much right. like just really cool shit. 
like every yeah, other scene. A, then we have the talk: is that a film or is that a art piece? Is that you <laughs> yeah, know, it's yeah. Like, that's one of those really curious ones where you're yeah. like, it's. But that it's the more about the cinematography than the, the runway scene where she's in the like the pyramid, the two the mirrors mirror. in the back, and the that was so striking to me. Like I am recreating that for a music video. Nice. Very similar. I mean, like, that looks like that, a music video. Idea. That's Natasha Brayer, right? Yeah, who shot that? Yeah, she's great. But the ASC did like an amazing behind the scenes segment on not only just the cinematography, but a lot of like how they pulled a lot of the practical stuff off. So I was fortunate to find like some behind the scenes photos of like the grips, like literally building this whole. I think that's the best part of the social media stuff now is like Mm -hmm. I can, you know, if I see something, I like it. I'll look up the gaffer or look up the AC or and then and I'll behind just, the I'll scenes. DM them. I'll be like, I'm like, yo, I'm really curious how y'all did this. You know, we're thinking most of the time those people will be like, here's how we did it. Yeah. Don't, I would, tell, don't tell anybody. Yeah. For them, like it's cause I, I get that like this test clip of this RGB uh, shadow test shot we were doing. I've probably answered five or six DMS about how oh, did how you, you do did this? Yeah. Where did you do this? I'm like, well, let me tell you, like it's super easy. Yeah. But it looks more complicated than it is. That's why I was like, absolutely. Like you're doing it in a prism. Like, we'll see no, that no. yeah. social me- that, that brings up a good point. I think social media has replaced the, uh, or, or it's filled the void where we, uh, we don't have DVD special features anymore, really. So yeah. it's, you know, now it's just like yeah. go on Instagram and look I up love DP and VFX breakdown. So it's, oh, I love yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'd eat that stuff up. But again, I think back to your point, like to the creators or the gaffers or whoever it is, that is pulling that look off. Like you hit them with a DM and say like, this was amazing. How did you do it? Right. They're going to take that as the biggest compliment in the world. Yeah. And to your point, like I said the exact same thing. Like I said, I'll teach you exactly how to pull off this shot, but you can't use it until after my project releases. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So let's make a deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's great. We're going to have to work that question into the lightning round, I guess. That's pretty good, Bill. The good uh, question, Bill. Oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, uh, favorite director. Ooh, it sounded like Chivo. Nah, <laughs> he just directs commercials. I don't know if he's directed films yet. Um, can I just give a list of like people I like have to see when their stuff yeah. comes out? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Taika Waititi. He's yeah. strong. Oh, yeah. Strong yes, vision. Yes. yes. Um. Man, Tarantino, gotta watch first. Like, I'm just thinking, like people. He's only got one more. What? He's only got one <laughs> more. Coming. Like, he's I'm just thinking about people done. that like when their film goes to theaters. Like yeah. I have to go that opening night. Like he Nolan, just, he just Tarantino. Not to like sidetrack again, yeah. but he just bought. Um, oh, one of the theaters. Yeah, I think. Well, I think he just bought a second one too. Nice to revitalize. That's great. Yeah. No, all right, Nolan. Nolan. Oh man, I just, I just, I think when we watch as much as we watch, it's hard to pick one. I think it's crazy yeah. when people have one director. Yeah, I think that's so. I mean, because like, like a, a mood. I mean, I love like the the uh, Todd Phillips stuff. Like you know the the, the comedy. I just, oh man, that's so hard. For me, it's like who are the favorites I grew up with, and who are my favorites? Yeah, currently. most influential right. on you. Right. And then, that's how I think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, and then you do what? Um, Ghostbusters, Reitman, right? Ivan Reitman. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys. I mean, 
Too tough. I'm sorry. That I know this is not what you want. <laughs> that's okay. Well, you go that's, quiet, a, like, that's a good like, list of names. Then. You go John Ford. You go Frank Capra. You know. Yeah. I'm not a huge Scorsese guy. I can say that. I guess. I mean, I'm just not like. That's okay. I like his that's work, fine, but yeah. like. It. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge Coppola guy. I mean, I like George Lucas more than those guys, and I don't think that's fair critically. But like, Return of the Jedi has more of an impact on me than The Godfather. I hear that, and I don't. I, I, I think that. that's a hard thing to say. As a fil- it's hard to say. In it film it circles, is hard. Like not in this circle. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm with you there. I mean, yeah. I'm a, I was such a Star Wars kid. I was such a you know, still am. It's just so openly critical of of some of the movie. You know, it's just like yeah. I love this. I films. mean, I I had a hard time being a Spielberg guy in film yeah. school. Just you know, how dare you like Spielberg, you <laughs> pretentious hack? You know, like you know, and I, I, I think people do that, but like they don't respect the. Just man, it, what an art! Like some of his dolly push shots is like the one you talked about. They show the map box. Yeah, some of that is so well done. It's, it's yeah. so yeah, and it's like when you see it, like and you see it, like the Stranger Things when they cop, like they're copying that. Oh yeah, they're copying that. Yeah, so Stranger Things is a tribute to eighties Spielberg. Yeah, one hundred percent for sure, hands down. All right, most underrated or slept on cinematographer. I think. I think Natasha's getting her due now, but I think she's incredible. I think I thought Honey Boy was one of the best oh, yeah. films when it came Still out. Love to see that. Um, I love Bradford Young. I just like that style. Um, you know, I, I read all of his stuff where he basically will go key light, no fill, and he'll neg the whole room, which, you know, as a genie guy, I'm like, oh, that's so sick. Like, you're putting black <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And it's like, so I worked with, you know, some of the, my favorite DPs I've worked with. Don't use fill light. I just think, you know, Argentinian guy I worked with smoking a cigarette, holding a map box on an easy rig, holding the back of the batteries. <laughs> and he's yelling, you know, we're like, hey, do you want to fill? He goes, I don't want to fill. And he's just yelling cojones, which I'll, y'all can yeah, give yeah. a translation yeah, yeah. if you want. He's cojones, yeah. cojones. And uh, I just love that look. I love the aggressiveness. I think it's. It's something you can only do in certain, like, you know, you need mood, you need Like, it has contrast. to fit the vibe. And, yeah, yeah, you could never do it for commercial yeah. work. You know, maybe some, like, the European, like, BMW commercials you could do, but yeah. very rarely you're going to see that on, on TV, but films, music videos. Cajones. Cajones. Yeah, so you'll hear me yell cajones every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm probably the only one who understands what I'm saying. <laughs> That's funny. All right, uh, a little lighter here. Coffee or tea? Coffee. My man. But, Uh-oh. okay, so this is production <laughs> production influence. So I was drinking so much coffee on set. Um, you know, I don't know if y'all have studied your sleep cycles. I've studied my sleep cycle. I'm a bear sleep cycle. Imagine that. <laughs> um, but basically you need coffee in the morning. You need coffee in the afternoon, like around 1 p.m. after lunch. And that is your best part of the day. But I was drinking too much coffee in the afternoon that I was having a hard time shutting it down so i switched to tea in the afternoon because it's a little lighter caffeine Mm -hmm. and that really kind of helped balance my all right so coffee in the morning and tea in the afternoon depends like tea after like four working in tandem with each other yeah yeah. Yeah. or i'll do herbal tea that way i get the experience but not the caffeine yeah nice good pro tip there yep all right pineapple on your pizza uh i don't mind i do like the canadian ham in that version i like barbecue uh, sauce as the as the sauce. I'm a big pizza. Last last year I was making pizza like pretty regularly. We had a pizza oven. Yeah. Um. And so I learned how to make pizza and yeah, definitely did a pineapple pizza. Corey, it has its place. It has its own place. 
Corey, it's, you are outnumbered at this point. At is, this point, I feel like I just got to give it a shot. But I, to do. me, you can't beat like a margarita pizza. I yeah. think that's the oh, best yeah. form. I love brick oven, like a true Neapolitan style pizza. What kind of pizza oven do you have? Uh, we just sold, my parents just sold their house, um, my mom's house, and uh, they had just uh, like a freestanding pizza oven. They got to, I want to do, I want to get one of those. Degrees um, is it Umi? Is it fire? Yeah. yeah. It's a wood pellet. Oh, but wood then pellet. it's like okay. a little freestanding. Nice. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. But to be able to cook a pizza in a minute is, you just get That's better awesome. crust. I feel like that, that would be dangerous for me. Yeah, I was. It was a lot of carbs that summer, <laughs> but it was COVID. We were all sad, you know. That's that's yeah. how I dealt with it. I cooked all yeah. the time. That's a good thick and bread, thickened up a little pizza. bit. Yeah, <laughs> thickened up a little. Yeah, I've, I've got enough thickness. Yeah. So, all right, favorite camera. Ooh, the five D. Can, can I just walk through like my <laughs> camera history? I, I'm never going to give you a straight answer. RIP five D. Yes, I loved those early Panasonics. The, you know, the, like uh, the DVX 100? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The DV tapes, I loved those. Yes. And then the 7D, like, really changed the game for me as far as, like, having depth of field. Mm-hmm. Got a 5D when I got to grad school. Um, and then uh, we just started seeing stuff on, like, we had Red Epics. Love the Red Epic. But, I mean, my favorite is probably the Airy Mini. Love the Mini. Yeah. Now they have the Mini LF. I just think it's such a, just the color science of that camera is so great. I think you do a lot of stuff with the other cameras. I just think that one is the easiest to get a cinema quality image. Like out a really of. good buttery skin. I was going to say uh, the highlight. Mike Striker said buttery. Yeah, yeah the highlight roll off is nice, and I just, I just think what it does for people's faces is crazy. Yeah, yeah. it made as a gaffer, it made my job easy. It made my job really easy. <laughs> Big soft light. Yeah, a little bit of back edge and cojones. Cojones. Oh, Cito Moto. I do, man. I've really enjoyed the, getting the Komodo. I think it's that was, you know, you know, I, I worked on your your beta shoot, um, and once I saw it, I, I saw the practicality of it. But to have that much camera for that price, and that you know, form factor, and that form factor really allows me to do more quality work. And like I said, I've had a five D for seven years. It's paid itself off. 40 times at this point. And so it was time for me to step up my game with a camera. And especially if I want to continue to shoot. And like I said, no one's going to put a camera in my hands and let me shoot unless I start yeah. shooting. And right. so I think it gives me good advantage as a producer shooter to have a package, um, for sure. you know, of that quality. Yeah. And it makes it easy for us to do a nice three camera. For sure. Red I think match. It, and I think it pairs oh, so well. you have a Komodo. Yourself. I do. Okay. Yeah, I do, sir. So. Yeah. It's his fault. That I got one. It, it, it would be. It would it be. Is, as it would be as well. yeah. Um, yeah, man. It. I, well, I was in L.A. It rented, you know, several times. So I think it. It was a good decision. That's yeah. Cool. You can rent yours. Well, not here. Because right. you'll compete. Because I'll compete with you. Yeah. yeah. We'll just rent them together. Corey. Corey owns ShareGrid in Nashville, basically. That's good. I. I. Well. I, 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 went don't on wanna, I don't want to humble brag. I went on ShareGrid <laughs> recently, and all I saw was you. Yeah, I didn't see anybody else. It's okay. I'm just gonna put, I'm gonna put myself with Corey. So we'll just compete together. Yeah, we'll yeah. just. It, it's a two camera team, package. Team so if you need a multicam, yeah. if one's not available, I'll go with the other. Yeah. That's actually that's what we talked about. Like if mine's out and I need another rental, I'll just yeah send it to him. It's easy. And if you need some old tungsten Fresnels, I'm your guy. That's what's up. <laughs> R.I.P. Tungsten, <laughs> uh, yeah. tungsten Fresnels. No, I love them. I think they're great. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I just think the, the versatility of the camera is crazy. The stuff you can do with it. Yeah. Love it. All right, last question. Three films everyone should see before they die. Oh, goodness. And only three. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life, I think, is a solid choice. I think it is a great story of hum- like the human experience. Um, it may be a little dated for some people, but I still I really like performances in it and i like the story and influential movies i'm trying to think i've just seen so many <laughs> this one's a hard one look my daughter's sitting in the control room over there if you what if, should she if, watch if, if they if you had to recommend three movies to her oh man no country for old men i think is a masterpiece my daughter's only 12 yeah, she can't watch that. I'm just kidding. That's a that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's an intense movie. Yeah. All right. So it, and you're all over the board here now. Like, I'm just trying to think of movies. It's a Wonderful like Life, really, No Country for Old Men. Like, really, like. That was good. One more. Oh, man. I would love to just go all of Nolan, but, like, I love Inception. Ooh. Yes. I, lo- I mean, I think, I'm just trying to think of, like, cinematic things that, like. So good. I, like, when I walked out of, like, I, that that's my favorite feeling in the world, when you walk out of a theater and you can't speak because oh, you're yeah. just, just so blown away. And just so, like, just continue to replay it. And yeah, like Inception I had to watch multiple times and, like, the conversation. Yeah. I was actually working at Governor Scholar program at the time, so I was with surrounded by all these, like, really smart people, and I got to, like, just watching that movie with the guys, and there's this great picture of us after we watched it where we're all kind of doing this and holding our heads, <laughs> and, like, trying to converse with each other, what we just saw and the depth of it. And, you know, I just think Nolan has a great – ability of just taking you to a place in your brain yeah. where oh yeah and and he doesn't give you all the answers which i like like you have to form your own choices on what what you just saw i mean and like that movie's a good example of that even still today like the ending like you don't you don't know it, yeah. there's all kinds of i rarely go back and see a movie more than once in the theater same yeah it was inception and the dark knight yeah both movies i went back multiple times to the right. theater and, and you would saw. get killed in film school for saying that I know. Like someone would kill you i know but it's <laughs> they, just like it's such an experience inception yeah. craftsmanship and everything yeah it's like yeah. inception's one of the movies like if, if there's i don't have nothing going on i just need to watch something yeah. like that's a go to watchable yeah. extremely rewatchable yeah. yeah which for like the quality movie does i think it's, it's wild but yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe in this gilded view of cinema, and it has to be like you have to love the bicycle thief, and you have to yeah, yeah. love Coppola. I don't. That's, that's I just that don't. film school. I grew up in stuff. Southern Kentucky. We <laughs> yeah. didn't have access to some of those <laughs> movies, and so the movies that shaped me were The Return of the Jedi's, yeah. the Indiana Joneses, the yeah. we had Air HBO Force when One. I was a kid. And, you and know, it was awesome. yeah, it's like yeah. did you say Air Force One? Yeah, I love those movies. That was love that was my first action, R movie, Independence Day. Yeah, I love those movies. I, oh yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with. I think you should know critically what to watch, and you should test yourself with some yeah. different stuff, but. Nothing wrong with tent poles. There's nothing wrong with them. No. I love that we've had so many people on this show that appreciate great commercial filmmaking. Love commercial filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. I, I am all about that. Yep. What do you think about Tenet? Oh, I can't slander my guy on <laughs> I don't know. I just think, and I think this happens with really good directors. I think sometimes, like I think it happened with George Lucas, sometimes you get to a point where you're so successful that people can't tell you no. Right. You know, and so I think it's really, like I think, for Lucas, it was really healthy when his ex-wife was the editor. 
and she did a lot of legwork on those movies of telling him like, Hey, this isn't going to work. This is, yeah. yeah. And so, and some of the writers and some of the directors that he brought on, like were really good. But yeah. I think, uh, I, I, I don't know. We'll see what Nolan does next, but I, you know, I thought. You think maybe, he need he needs a no person on his you team? You need someone to you gotta least, have someone to yeah, put friction against your creative process. And, you know, I don't know if maybe, I don't know what the process was with Tenet, but I know his brother Jonathan's doing other stuff and, you know, maybe that was his guy for a long time. I know his wife is producer. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't, I don't know. If, but I thought there was just some questionable decisions. I thought the acting was, I think John David Washington oh, was great. so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I did, yeah, I had problems with the audio and the story. And, yeah. You know, but still, I mean, still a fun movie. Like, you, you, didn't I mean? watch, you didn't watch it in a premium theater. Oh, I did watch it in a premium theater. It was like one <laughs> I of watched, the movies I, I got to see at home with subtitles on because yeah. I heard the audio was really It was tough. Cool. The audio was yeah. tough. Yeah, the excuse was it was only tough if you didn't see it in a premium theater setting. Well, I saw it in a premium theater, and I was like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> Which I had experienced, like with Interstellar, like you're like, I'm oh, not real Interstellar, sure. yeah. But then you, you know, you work your way through it. But Tenet, I was like, I have no clue what's going on. Yeah, those are three great ones. Though. Love Nolan, though. You can make a bad movie yeah. and you can be a great director. Yeah, it's Absolutely. okay. Just and it's something. really hard to make that size of a bad movie. It's really hard to make a bad movie. <laughs> right, right. That's what I don't think a lot of people appreciate. Like. How much work goes into a bad movie? Yeah. That, no, that's good. I love Spielberg, but I can name a lot of films he's done. He's, he's had some misses. Just like, yeah, right? whatever, you know. Yeah. How dare you? Hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm his biggest fan, but I can I can criticize him. But you I know? guarantee you they're just like on to the next one. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, got got that one out, put it out in the world. They know their process works. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. So, Barrett, it's been so great having you here today. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun forward to uh my, the next little chapter of my life i think this is going to be a, a fun one killing it in nashville yeah let's go and we'll definitely have to get you back on i would love to get more technical with you on some friday sure. episodes yeah for sure yeah we'll leave uh links to all of your stuff in the uh in the show notes so everybody can find you put this man to work regional filmmaker bear dennison <laughs> <laughs> keep yeah. him busy for all of our listeners we know you have a lot of podcast options We appreciate you choosing us. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating. It would help us out a ton. Five stars. Five stars, please. Preferably. Nice words also go a long way. Yes. And until next time, feed your crew something delicious.